Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you have. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. We are so glad that all of you are in house today, and those of you watching online, we are thankful for you, and believing that today will be something different, or something different will happen in your life that you've been longing for. How many of you know? Oftentimes, we we lose our ability to dream, to imagine. And my prayer is that every time we get together, something would stir up inside us that would cause us to move beyond the status quo. What is the status quo? Rising up in the morning, going to work, doing our routine thing, coming home, doing our routine thing, going to bed, and uh, maybe hoping that we can have one night during a weekend or one day that's going to be better than what we've experienced. So church to me is about creating uh, an expectation and, and an imagination. So many people in this church that have really contributed to making this community what it is and uh, just I'm so thankful and and at the same time what makes this so difficult is that you have people come and people go and and I just want to take a moment and appreciate uh, this lady on the front row here who is moving to Tulsa without my consent and uh, but it's a promotion for her and uh, Chevey I just want you to stand and I want everybody to give this wonderful woman a hand today. God bless you. Thank you so much for all that you've done two and a half years to help us. We appreciate you so much. It will not be the same without her at the front door, at, at the apartment complex, in the lobby, in the auditorium. Uh, she's been a staple around here and we know that, that she's going to get a promotion to come back to Oklahoma City soon and be a part of us. She'll never always be a part of us, never leave us. But thank you, Chavez, so much for all that you've done. We love you. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, uh, to Isaiah chapter 53. I began the series on community a few weeks ago, and then last week I began a sermon entitled Contributing to Community. In other words, all of us have something to bring to the table. Uh, so all of us have something that we can contribute to what God is doing, not just in our neighborhood and our families, but in his church. And so often we measure our ability to contribute by the flaws in our lives instead of the gifts in our lives. And every one of us in this place, watching online, you are gifted and you are skilled in some area of life and, and you bring something to the table everywhere you go. The problem is we most often can count all the deficiencies in our lives. We can articulate those and the flaws that we have, the sins we've committed, and, and our focus is on those things. And as a result, we often say, man, I, I don't have anything to offer. I want to tell you today, 
you have something to offer to God's kingdom, to your community, to your home. It's just about wiping away the things that you focused on your whole life, the failures in your life, the, the things you wish you could take back, the things you could you wish you could do differently. We can't go back. There's an old saying, you can't unscramble eggs. But let me tell you, the hens are still laying. And there are some new eggs to be had. And so don't try to unscramble your past. Try to make sense of your future. And you do have a future. And the problem is that most of us focus on the pains of our past, the regrets, the things we've done wrong. And in Isaiah chapter 53, it says in verse 4, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by men, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, or one translation, by his stripes, we are healed. The full gospel, charismatic, Pentecostal movement, however you want to, whatever term you want to give it, uh, is, was a great movement and is a great movement. It, it, in other words, charisma goes back to the Greek talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that we actually, in that this movement that I call Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, whatever, believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever Jesus did while he was walking the earth, whether it was raise the dead, heal the sick, whatever it might have been, we believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, in the process of allowing this, uh, the, the full gospel charismatic experience to happen, uh, obviously there are physical expressions that sometimes turn people off and and as a result of the fear of uh, maybe strange things happening, uh, we decided not to believe in that, or at least publicly. Well, I will have you know that I do believe publicly that God still does things today that we could never imagine had we not seen them in the Bible. And so because we've seen them, I do believe in healing. I, I believe in healing. Now, with that said, most of the focus when you use the word healing has been on the physical part of our being. In other words, somebody has uh, cancer and we pray over them. Dodie Osteen, Joel's mother, for instance. Uh, I've known the Osteens forever, worked with uh, their family and done vacations with parts of their family. And so I know them well. And, and to know that Dodie was completely healed, she'd just been given a short time to live and, and she was healed. Now, you can argue with that all you want, but you're never going to win that argument with Dodie when the doctors look and say, we've done all we can do. You're in the hands of God, and she put herself in the hands of God, and God healed her. And then the great argument is, well, why? This is what the devil does: distract us. Then why was she healed and somebody else wasn't? We we can go down that path all we want, but we will never know exactly the ways of God. We'll never understand it all. But just because we doesn't don't understand, doesn't mean we shouldn't believe. And uh, even even Jesus said, "Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe." And so I want to create a belief system today in God, but I want you to create a belief system in you. And, and when I talked about the physical aspects of healing, I want you to know the greater challenge in our world today, or at least equally as great a challenge, is our mental health. Uh, most pastors won't talk about uh, mental illness, 
But I feel like four years ago, I was mentally ill. I'm just being honest with you. I know I wasn't in my right mind, and I know that I wasn't thinking right. I was depressed. That's mental illness, and we don't talk about that. And the reason we need to talk about that is it's typically the way we think that either motivates us to do something or prevents us from doing something. I'm not significant. I have nothing to contribute to the community. I have nothing that I can bring to the table because I just don't feel well. I don't think right. And you, you have outbursts or whatever it might be. I want you to know today that you, you walk through and you work through that illness by what you do, not by sitting around coddling it. And I know that's difficult because I was there. I preached through that mental illness. Now, I didn't do it perfectly, but I would say to you, and it doesn't embarrass me to say, I know that things were not right. When you do something wrong, guess what? It begins with how you think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So any behavior that we exhibit, any actions that we take, don't begin physically. They begin mentally. So we have to renew our minds by the washing with the water of the word. So when you read the Bible, many people don't like to read. Many people don't like to read the Bible. It's a perfect setup by Satan. Because when you get the word in you, the word begins to cleanse your mind and the way you think. And it will change how you respond to crises and opportunity. And so there are those of you here who say, well, you know, I'm coming to church. That's a big hurdle that I had to overcome. I get that. But you know what? God has more for you than just being an attender. God wants you to contribute to his community in the midst of whatever sickness you might be in the walking through or whatever difficulty you might. You're not unique. We all have issues. Hello? I have issues this morning, and I'm standing up here, and I'm preaching through my issues. You say, well, what are they? I, it would take a half hour just to get started. You know, it's just, the funny thing about it to me is, it's, it's, we don't get to do what we do because we don't have issues. Because everybody has them. Jesus died on the cross for the sins and issues of all mankind. And, and for some reason, the devil has convinced us that we're not good enough to do what God's called us to do. I'm telling you right now, do what you're called to do in the midst of your mess. That's how come we don't measure people by, by their performance we measure people, if you will, by their willingness to walk out the, the will of God for their life. Everybody that serves in this church, I mean, they're, you're going to hear some. You're, in our lobby, you'll hear some words that you typically think you wouldn't hear in the church. And they might even have on a badge that says usher. Uh, no, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, just look at them and go, I can work in this church if he can because I mean the churches I, I grew up in, man, if you said one off-color word, you were cast out into the outermost darkness. And, and you know, I'm not suggesting that we don't have standards, but you have to have your own standard. And certainly we don't want to hurt people. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but people slip up. People make mistakes. And, and, and when you do, all I can tell you is get up. That's what it's all about. Don't stay down. Don't quit. Don't give up. Rise up and say, dust yourself off and go, that was a blank mistake, wasn't it? Ha, 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 ha. And you get to fill in the blank. Contributing to community. Remember last week I talked about taking ownership of your hurtful past. Everyone in here has a hurtful past. Everyone in here can probably at least take us back to one moment in your life when someone hurt you or you got hurt. And you know what? That's still in your mind. I can remember times where I was hurt. 
I can remember the people that were there when I was hurt. Now, with that said, let me tell you the difference today in how I think than then. If I'm going to be hurt by you, the very first thing that I have to do is give you permission to hurt me. You have to have my permission. You can be as mean as the devil himself. And if I know who I am in Christ, I don't have to receive your meanness. I don't have to receive the pain that you want to inflict on me. Because every now and then we all want to kind of reach out and touch someone and get revenge. I mean, it's a part of our fallen nature. And unfortunately, too often, uh, we respond to that fallen instinct. And so what I've had to do is learn in my life that any hurt that I possess should not be connected to someone else. Now, it doesn't mean that someone didn't attempt to hurt me, mean to hurt me, because maybe they did. And, and, and you know, maybe they had some success. But the only way I'm going to get over that hurtful past is not to get them to change, but to make myself change. That's the only way I get over it. Because if you require an apology, require it. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't apologize when we've done wrong. But if we require, not want, require an apology to get well, you may be sick and hurting the rest of your life. Your mom never apologized to, to you for leaving. Your dad never apologized to you for hitting you. Whatever the case may be, there's never been an apology. Now, you love your mom. You love your dad. But that hurt still exists when you get around them. You say, well, how's that ever going to go away? They can't go back and fix that, but you can go inside and fix that and say, I choose to forgive. I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to let that hurt stick in my soul. I'm going to live free. So we have to take ownership of our hurtful past. Now, here are just a few points, and if you want to take notes and write these down, I'll, I'll try to go a little bit slow. But our self-esteem is often what's damaged by unkind words and actions. So if you want to address those, here are some practical suggestions. Make a list of areas in which you know yourself to be competent. Most of the time, we make a list of what we know to be incompetent in our lives. So what are the things in your life you know you're competent in? You know, whatever. I show up for work on time every day. I'm a good employee. I mow my yard. And if you're my neighbor, I will come and tell you how competent you are when you mow it. And I will applaud you and appreciate you because I appreciate beauty. And weeds, to me, are just not beautiful. And so, I mean, you have to address your own insignificant feelings by writing down things that, to you, are, are, are competent actions. Number two, try to see other people have needs and hurts just as you do. And try to focus on their needs rather than how you should meet yours. And everybody's going through something. Wasn't Mother Teresa be kind to everyone for everybody's going through something. Everybody is going through something. Whether it's right now, whether it was yesterday, whether it's tomorrow. You and I will be going through something. And we just have to continue to address the some things. Instead of focusing on our incompetence, our failures, and our flaws. Number three, if, if there are things about you that others don't seem to like, and I know some of you just can't imagine that somebody doesn't like everything about you. 
There are things about you that others don't seem to like. Don't be defensive, but see the criticism as possible help. I'm going to let that marinate. Because the first time anybody says something to us that goes sideways or is, creates conflict, we immediately think they're wrong. But what if God sent someone or allowed someone to come into your life to take off an edge that has prevented you from being promoted in your life? Sometimes, and, and don't get me wrong, because some people will use this as constructive criticism. You know, and maybe that's true, but the reality is that criticism is criticism. And how we address that criticism will determine the outcome of our lives, not the criticism itself, because some people have been held back by criticism, not because of the criticism, but by the fact that they have embraced that criticism and allowed that to be a part of their hurtful past. Trust me, as a preacher, I'm criticized every week publicly. All you have to do is follow me on Facebook, follow Mosaic Church on Facebook, and usually there's somebody who has a really good opinion or bad opinion about me. It's not just me. It's every preacher. It's every pastor. It's every singer. It's everybody who ever gets on stage, everybody who ever opens their mouth. If you're a boss, you've got to deal with it. And, and you know, you just have to I mean, embrace it. Go, you know, I wonder if there's any truth to that. You know, we had one post recently coming back. And actually, you know, it was really interesting. At first when I read it, it kind of, it kind of hit me. And then I thought, you know, there may be some reality, some truth to what this guy's saying. And, and actually, I, I responded back in a polite way because I thought, you know, this is what he feels regardless of what I think. Never discount what someone feels because feelings are real. Now, you don't have to agree with that feeling because it may not be something that resonates with you, but the reality is that's how they feel. And you're processing it through how you think, and those two don't connect easily. So you have to try to be empathetic and understand why they might be feeling the way they feel you may never agree with it, but you can validate it. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I can't imagine what that must be like to feel that way. And, and it may be, you know, I hate your guts. It, it must be miserable hating my guts. That must be a terrible thing to wake up to every morning. Can't imagine waking up to hate every morning. That must be a horrible feeling. Instead of getting defensive and saying, you can't possibly hate me. I don't got guy. I don't got just let them feel until they change their mind. Number four, thank God for your uniqueness because you are unique. I'm unique. We're unique, each and every one of us. Number five, pray that God will help you accept what you can't change and change those areas that need improvement. Pray that God will help you accept those things. In other words, if you have big earlobes, there's probably a good chance you're going to have big earlobes this time. Actually, probably bigger next year. Because years never stop growing. It's a terrible thing. I remember right before Oral Roberts passed, I was at his house, and I thought, that man has got some ears. <laughs> and I loved him, and I respected him and for all he had done. But I'm just sitting there in his living room, and I'm talking to him, and I went, wow. I don't know if I want to live to be 101, because can you imagine they'd be like this? They keep growing. Anyway, it's just a thought. So <laughs> I know it's strange. It's 930. I haven't even had a drink of Red Bull yet. I probably should take one. Okay, so take ownership of a hurtful past. Take ownership, listen to this, of a hateful heart. If you don't address your hurtful past, 
you will live your life with a hateful heart. And it's not because you want to be hateful. It's just that hurt has so consumed your soul that you don't even like you. And the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The very first person you need to learn to love outside of God is yourself. If you hate you and everything about you, you will hate everybody else and everything about them. Because hate will be your focus. Why is hate your focus? Because hurt remains in your soul. If I keep hurting, I will keep hating. It's called spiritual cholesterol. So a... A hurting heart or a hateful heart is the child of a hurtful past. It's the offspring of a hurtful past. So if you have a hateful heart, know this. You've given birth. It's been given birth by a hurtful past. And so I want to challenge us as we contribute to our culture, our community, to address your hurtful past and if you do that, you will have an easy time getting rid of your hateful heart. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Why do you think the Bible says that? When you get grateful, let me tell you, when you get grateful and you get thankful, the hurts of the past are forgotten. So get up every day and find something to be grateful for. Write it down. Uh, give a card to somebody. Do something that communicates to somebody you're thankful for them. You're grateful for them. It's just so easy to forget and just be get, get when, when you're getting along. Remember this. When you're just getting along, you're just getting along. That's all you're doing. But if you want to elevate and go from glory to glory, don't just get along in life. When things are going good, help make things go better. If you're getting along with your spouse right now, imagine what will happen when you're getting along and all of a sudden you do something nice or say something nice, they'll think you did something wrong. Why? Because everything's going great. Why should I tell her I love her now? Why should I get her a gift now? It's not her birthday. It's not Valentine's Day. It's not Christmas. It's not Thanksgiving. It's not Hallmark Sunday. Do something to surprise that person that you love when you're getting along. Don't wait until you fight. Get along. And while you're getting along, do something nice and address that. Psalm 13, 2 says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? The psalmist is saying, How long do I have to do this? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. <clears throat> My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart, my heart, my heart rejoices in your salvation. You want to focus on something? Let your heart rejoice in his salvation. You were going to hell. I was going to hell. All the world was going to hell. But Jesus said, God I'm going to go down and I'm going to die for them. I rejoice in his salvation. I am thankful I'm forgiven. I am thankful I don't have to carry the weight of the world and sin on my shoulders. I am thankful that I can live free. But it is my choice and it is your choice to believe in his choice. His choice was to die for our sins and have, give us life and give it to us more abundantly. That was his choice. Now what you do with his choice determines the outcome of your life. People are always asking, God, why this? God, why that? And God's saying, I made a choice. 
I did what I said I would do. Now what are you going to do with what I did? God takes the blame for our decisions every day. He made a great decision, I think, because I personally don't want to be separated from my creator forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the only way that I'm not separated is through Jesus Christ, his son. Now, if you don't address a hurtful past and you possess a hateful heart, listen to this. This is research. Medical research has found new evidence linking heart disease with anger and hate. According to an Associated Press release, Dr. Redford Williams, Jr., and some colleagues did a personality study on 118 students in law school. They were graded on their hostility. 25 years later, 20% of those who had scored highest as being angry and hateful persons had died, compared with only 5% of those who had registered lowest. I don't know about you, but I want to live, outlive all of my haters. I hope that's not a wrong motivation. But hate and anger are toxic to your body. Dr. Williams said that people who are inclined towards anger may get furious, for instance, in a slow-moving bank line. That was me in the past. Now I just find the longest line. And you know what? I start meeting people. Hey, how are you? We're going to be here a while. What's your name? What are you buying? What's going on in your life? How's your marriage? Any kids? Where are you going on vacation? What's happening? Oh, look, we're already at the front of the line. Darn, so sorry. It was a blast getting to know you. You see what I'm saying? And some of you type A people are already contradicting what I'm saying. He doesn't understand. You have a problem. Now you're mad that I said you have a problem. If you get up and leave now, everybody will know you have a problem. They complain to themselves about why other customers haven't filled out their deposit slips ahead of time and may show their unhappiness by making sour faces or even surly comments to those ahead of them. No question about it, anger is hurtful to the heart both physically and spiritually. Hmm. So if you want to live longer, listen, man, just keep eating bacon and being thankful. I know what the doctors say, but I'm telling you, spiritual cholesterol is killing more people than physical cholesterol. And if I just, I just curse the cholesterol and bacon, I, it's the one thing I just, I don't do it a lot, but when I do, I eat bacon happy now. And if it costs me five minutes of my life, so be it, Porky. <laughs> the prayer of David, Psalm 51:10, create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy, here we go again, of your salvation. Man, if you don't have anything on earth to be thankful for, you can always be thankful for his salvation. And we just sometimes it just passes us by the power of salvation. That we have been saved, we've been set free, we've been redeemed, we've been bought back. We don't have to worry about going to hell. We don't have to worry about all those things. Greater is God in us than the devil in this world. 
I'm happy about it. And grant me a willing spirit. Uh-oh, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And now, all of a sudden, you notice how the psalmist turns there. Grant me a willing spirit. So my willing spirit is what keeps me from worshiping a hurtful past and prevents me from having a hateful heart. My willing spirit. If you have an unwilling spirit, don't worry. You're going to be in trouble and hateful and hurtful the rest of your life. How many of you have heard the saying, hurting people hurt people? If somebody is trying to hurt you, you need to look at them with sympathy and say it's only because they're hurting. You would not want to hurt me if you yourself were not hurting. I would not want to hurt you if I myself was not hurting. We respond out of what's going on in our hearts and in our lives. So if somebody goes around hurting other people, don't get mad at them. Go up to them and say, I'm so sorry for your pain. They may look at you and not understand at all what you're saying. You say, but why, how, how come you would say it? Because you seem to go around wanting to hurt other people. Now make sure there's a distance between you and them when you say that. But that's typically the case. So develop a mouth for the future. Remember what you say is what you will have. Romans 4.17 out of the Amplified Bible says, As it is written, I have made you the father, speaking of Abraham, of many nations. He was appointed our father, Father Abraham, in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, listen to this, and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. If you want something to exist in your life, it will begin by faith in your heart and the words of your lips. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those words will begin to change the direction of your life, believe it or not, because your ears are hearing it, it's being sown into your heart, and out of that comes the response of following those words. It's not magic, it's called faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you say these words, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it begins to put faith in your soul that in fact nothing is impossible with God. Now we have to work. It's a discipline. It's not a feeling. It is a discipline that we develop to watch the words that we speak. I have for four years spoken words and after reading the book of Job, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is just who I am. During my darkest hours, I read the book of Job. Nobody ever does that. But God spoke to me to do that because he said, Mark, I want you to learn how to suffer redemptively. I know this sounds silly, but most of us suffer punitively. We allow the suffering to bruise us, to bruise our soul, to hurt us. God says, I, my son, learned obedience through what he suffered. That's called redemptive suffering when you learn obedience. And when I started reading Job and I saw Job's life and how bad it was, and then at the end of his life or at the end of his suffering, better yet, he got back twice as much. So guess what I told God? I said, if you did it for Job, you're going to do it for me. Everything that was lost shall be found twice as much, and I'm declaring it. I have been declaring it for four years, and I'm still declaring that somehow, supernaturally or naturally or however God wants to do it, 
I am not going to give the devil an opportunity to say, well, I took him out. No, you ain't taking me nowhere, you slewfoot, demonic. You got to put him under your feet, man. The devil wants to walk beside you. God didn't make him to walk beside you. He made him to be under your feet. And you give him permission by the words that you speak. I looked and said, I'm just telling you all right now, twice as everything God's given me, as he told Isaiah, double for my trouble. Double blessing, double joy, double everything. I'm doubling up instead of doubling down. Develop a heart to go to the top. Don't camp where God has moved on. Many people say, wow, life is good. I'm not going to move. Well, if you started climbing the mountain to summit the mountain and you settle on the side of the mountain because you got a view, you have missed the point of your climb. You were called to go to the top. You were called to go all the way to the top. And the devil will give you some beautiful views along the way. And you will settle at a place that God did not call you to settle like Abraham's dad did. And I'm telling you, God spoke to Abraham. He said, I can tell your daddy to stop here. And he said, I want you to go to a place I'll show you, which was the promised land, which was Canaan. God said, I've got such good for you that I don't want you to stop here. Somebody said, man, I never thought I'd go this high in the company. I'm just glad I'm here. I'm not. Not if God told me I was going to the top. I'm not glad I'm here. I got a lot of climbing left to do, and I'm going to smile and climb. I'm going to get to my destiny. I'm going to get to my purpose. I'm not going to quit. You don't live your life by the opinions of man. You live your life by the word of God. And too many people are listening to what others are saying about them instead of what God is saying to them. You rise up. You move forward. Greater is he who's in you than he's in the world. His promises are yes and amen, every one of them. And you can sit around and blame your upbringing, wrong side of the tracks, mom and dad this, uncle that. You can do that the rest of your life. Or you can rise up and say, I know who my real father is. And my real father sent his real son to take care of this real child. And I am believing in him. You'll have to talk yourself into what Jesus died for. Because I'm telling you, there will be opinions. People tell you you'll never make it. You know, you graduate at the bottom of your class. You've got all kinds of reasons that you can't. But let me tell you, you've got a God who paid the price for every reason that you have. And he said, I already paid for that. You can be who you want, go where you want, do what you want. But you've got to choose. Well, you know, I just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We have too many people making decisions based on hurting other people's feelings. Some people stay at church just because their kids are at that church. Well, I don't really like it here, but my kids are here. You know what? You need to think. You need to think. We all need to think. So why am I where I am? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. If, if I leave or if I do this, I'll hurt their feelings. You know, have you ever asked God how he feels about when he tells you to do something, you don't do it because you care more about the feelings of somebody else than God's? meddling now one reason we can hardly bear to remain silent is that it makes us feel so helpless so when I say silent I'm talking about silent about the things that you doubt it's too often that we declare what we doubt instead of confess what we believe 
we are so accustomed to relying upon words to manage and control others. If we are silent, who will take control? God will take control. But it, we still will never let him take control until we trust him. Silence is intimately related to trust. So develop hearts, go to the top. Develop discipline to hold yourself accountable. Though you probe my heart and examine me at night, God, though you test me, you will find nothing. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. And lastly, take ownership of helpful promises. This is what I'm talking about. What comes out of your mouth? What are the promises of God? The reason I want to encourage you to read the Bible is because the Bible is filled with promises that when they fill your heart, they'll fill your mouth. And when they fill your mouth, they'll fill your life. If you don't know what the promises of God are, you'll probably never experience the promises of God. Why would you get around people who never say anything about the Bible? I am always referring in my mind to what the Bible says about a problem I have. And oftentimes, one of the, my favorite scriptures is either nothing's impossible with God. So whatever's going on right now. I mean, I know what's going on, but I'm going to declare nothing's impossible with God. Secondly, if I'm being challenged personally, I have to go to the scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I make a mistake and I fall down, he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I declare those things because I have to remember God's not quitting on me, so I can't quit on God. And I can't quit on my destiny. I can't quit on my call. I can't, can't quit on my purpose. So many people have excused themselves from the will of God because of their performance. God's will does not change based on your performance. He makes a way back. He makes it possible. Now, let me tell you, you'll walk by many hurtful people on your way back. There'll be people who will criticize you. How dare you? You know, you've been married half dozen times. I believe in God that number seven is like heaven for you. Quit counting how many marriages went bad. Count the one that's going to go good. Quit judging yourself. Quit being critical of yourself. We all make mistakes. And, you know, think about it this way. If you've been divorced four times, that's only one more than the person that was three. <laughs> you, you, you just say, you know, I'm not good at relationships. Yeah, you are. You're just working harder than everybody else to figure it out. Because so many church people, I, I can't contribute to church. Look how many times I've been married. Come on, stop. Yeah, you made a few mistakes. Yeah, you made some decisions you wish you hadn't made. But the best lies ahead. Quit looking at the past. Look ahead and realize all of those things are going to make me a better person. They don't make me a worse person. Man, I tell you, you need to start looking for number seven because you may be the gold mine she's been looking for, honey. You're the one. See, how we, it's all how we look at things. You can contribute to community regardless of what you've done, where you've been, all your failures, all your flaws. Psalm 18, 28, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. There's nothing that can keep me from my destiny except my choice to lay down and do nothing. 
none of us need to be reminded really how bad we can be or how bad we have been. We all have a pretty good idea, don't we? Nobody has to tell me how, you know, when I've been stupid. I typically know it. <laughs> you do too. That's how come you laughed. <laughs> we all typically know it. And so I can tell my response and where my heart is by my response to those things. If you're mean to somebody, as some people, like I've been hurt before, but it wasn't somebody else's fault. It was my fault. I allowed myself to be hurt. Even if you're mean to me, I should be able to stand up and say, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Healthy hearts, healthy minds are very difficult to penetrate with hurtful words and hurtful thoughts. Not impossible, but very difficult. When somebody understands who they are in Christ and they know the promises of God that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against me will be refuted. And then in Deuteronomy it says, though my enemies come from me in, in, in one direction, the Bible says they'll flee in seven. I look and I say, you can come against me all you want, but you're going to flee seven different directions. That means completely, number seven is complete, that my enemies will com flee completely unless I let you stay and be able to have supper with you. I just, helpful promises of God. I just, I just have to respond with this. That no weapon formed against me. One of my favorite passages will prosper. And all the tongues that rise up to speak against me will be refuted. You've got to understand, God's got your back. God's got all of us. And he's got us in the palm of his hand. And it says, God is our refuge and our strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with surging. God's not pointing his finger in judgment. He's reaching out his hand to help. God never does this. God only does this. He says, I have written you in the palm of my hand. It's all about perspective, yours, not everybody else's. It's all about your opinion of yourself, not everybody else's. So it's time for you to realize you bring something to every table that you sit at. You just may not realize what that is until you start thinking, what can I contribute to my family? What can I contribute to the people at work? What can I contribute to my church? What can I contribute to society? What do I have to bring to the table? Because each and every one of you is unique and you have a significant role to play in this world. And you have talked yourself out of it. You grew up with a mother that said you'll never amount to anything. A dad that said you're stupid. And a teacher that said, you know, your grades and your scores don't add up. Listen, God doesn't use us by our GPA. He uses us by our heart to serve and a will to declare his word and to obey him. That's what God uses. So if you've always thought yourself to be dumb, don't have that dumb thought anymore. Because you're not. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. And you've allowed yourself and others to talk you out of what Jesus died you into. So you rise up and you make a contribution. This is not a pitch for volunteerism or servant leaders, but it is a good time to mention 
some of you thought I could never I could never serve in church. I, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. I've done too much. That may be the case at some churches, but let me tell you something. You will walk into your destiny. You don't just simply wait on it. You walk into it. You go against the grain of all the opinions and ideas that you've had in your mind that you amount to nothing. Time for you to get involved. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, thank you so much for uh, the cross. Thank you for your salvation. Today we enter your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, knowing that, God, we have so much more to be thankful for than we do to be angry about. And so, Lord, I pray that every soul, every person, every heart listening to this message today would sense their value and their worth. All of us have issues, but there's a cross that takes care of all those issues. And it's our response to that cross that forever changes the direction of how we think and how we live. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. If you're not a follower of Christ, you're not a believer, today is your day. Simply pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, today I repent of my sins. And I confess that Jesus Christ is now the Lord of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. Thank you for your love. Amen.